Hello, everyone, and welcome to season three of In Event Talks, a podcast powered by Eventland. This season, we are talking about digital human interaction, the future of work, diversity, and relationships. We're also going to have one of the most futuristic and technologically advanced leaders speaking candidly about their experiences with event tech. Grab a drink, press play, and join the conversation. I am Deji Yoshikoya, and it's great to have you here with us. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Event Talks. This is the first one in 2023, so Happy New Year for all of you. Let's accomplish uh, great things, make deals this year, right? My name is Vinny, and if you are joining us for the first time, Innovent Talks is a regional series by Innovent, where we host discussions with industry experts and thought leaders across various fields and disciplines. Today, we have Jay Manesh. Jay is a professional consultant, strategist, and expert. Having worked with companies such as Jack Morgan Worldwide and EDE, he has designed innovative and powerful marketing programs for companies that cut across every sector and industry. He, his organization has partnered with brands and companies such as Nike, Gallup School of Management, Arch Institute of Chicago, and Harvard Museum. Soon also on a hockey uh, team, right? Yeah. They have also been able to design and carry out end-to-end exhibit services for companies like Ferrara, Duza, Edmund Optics, and Interland, and even went to win awards for these trade shows after delivering high-profile activities and events. Welcome, Jay. Thank you. Thank you very much. So good uh, for having you here today. So uh, we were talking before about uh, sports, right? Like uh, how hockey is a passion for you and also your family. But uh, what was your primarily inspiration for being in sales and marketing? So my family actually had a retail clothing store in the city growing up. So I would come into Manhattan on the Lower East Side all the time and just see my grandfather and my dad and my uncle and seeing them work. And as soon as I was in you know, middle school, they had me coming in and helping, you know, starting out sweeping the floors and mopping and cleaning up after everybody. But even as soon as high school, if you know, during the holiday season, all the salespeople were, were busy, I was on the floor helping. Nice. Yeah. So we were talking before, do you think this was like a, something born nature or you develop when we are very young? How was this uh, mixed both aspects in your I mean, Yeah, when it comes to sales, I mean, you have to develop. You know, you, there's only so many raw skills that'll get you so far. But in terms of what I was going to do, there was no doubt from a very early age that sales was it. You know, my mom used to chase me back in the house because I'd be waving to everybody standing on the corner of our, you know, house in Queens. And she'd be worried I'd be, you know, just walk away with anybody just because I was such a friendly little kid. And then it turned into, you know, creating trinkets in elementary school and selling them. And then, you know, for different organizations within school, selling candy. So it was just something I was, I was never afraid to walk up to me and ask someone if they wanted to buy something. Nice. And now have you seen this with your own children? My son more than my daughter. My, my daughter is more the, uh, the head of operations where, you know, she'll run the lemonade stand. But then uh, my son goes door to door, literally knocking on every door on our block to get them to come out and buy her lemonade. That's great. Yeah. yeah. One can sell, another one can operate the business and make sure they will get the, the everything delivered on time that's a right. good great quality that's right that's awesome girl scout cookies has been good training for both of them that's great and uh talking about those trade shows right like these years started started already very um easy for you yeah uh how important are those trade shows like yes in europe 
in your info? Uh, CES is kind of the Super Bowl of the trade show industry. I mean, the, the biggest brands in the world, it's more than a trade show these days. I'd say even the past decade, it's more of the marketing kickoff of the world. You know, every major marketing agency is there. Every major brand is there. And so that's a hugely important trade show. And everybody wants to start the year off with a big bang. So working at that show is important. NRF for me is just a, a special show because it's New York City. It's for me the best show in the, in the city by far. And, you know, being there and having a presence there has really just helped kick off our year. Perfect. Yeah. And uh, why why companies uh, decided to be there? What's the main reason? This is more for already customer relationship they already have or they are trying to get new customers. This is like more for branding engagement and how your consultant comes approach them to bring to a, a next level. So, I mean, it's different for every company. I would say it's a little bit of everything. You know, our client that was at NRF, it was their first time at the show and they are a warehouse automation company. So they were attracting retailers to put them in their warehouses, not maybe not like an Amazon because they have their own system set up. But so they're there for as much as awareness and building relationships. But our client at CES was actually unveiling a new vehicle. So for them, it was about awareness. They were looking for investment. They were looking for press to come in. So every, every show and every client is different, but for those two, like that's what they were looking for at these shows. Nice. Yeah. One of our customers, Sony, uh, they reveal like a, the new, um, virtual reality, yeah. uh, PlayStation nice console. So you can always find those very cool stuff there, right? Like, uh, they use this event, especially for uh, launching new products. Yeah. CES especially is all about new products and like, you know, so much of it is prototypes. So you don't even know what's actually going to come out or not. Sony has showed a car in their booth for the past two years. And it's like, you guys make cars now. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard about this. Like it's a joint venture, I think with Toyota or with Honda, one of those. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, what do you like most about like, uh, approaching those exhibitions? Like, uh, what in, what's your eyes when you put your eyes on those uh, programs, like those field marketing campaigns, what do you like to bring, uh, as a, a differentiator, like, a, how to differentiate because it's so many booths, right? It's yeah. So many companies there and sometimes it's like really get overwhelming. So we needed to make something that is, that is unique. So CES is its own unique beast. So I won't even talk about that one. Cause everybody approaches that one differently, but for most shows, it's, you know, when you invite someone to your booth you're trying to show them what you're offering, but rather than just do a standard like PowerPoint demo, it's what kind of experience can you create? How can you create something that's memorable not just on the floor because they're going to see what 50 different demos in a day, but why are they going to walk away and think about you when they leave? So, you know, we have a client at a show called uh, Promat and Modex. It's warehouse automation, not the most exciting show in the world, but most of these companies are bringing these giant machines that are you know, sorting equipment or sorting packages, stuff like that. So we actually told our client not to bring the machines and they ended up bringing one small one versus, you know, bringing their fleet of four or five big machines. And we created an experience to show off their full turnkey services through a game. So this past year, they, we used Wordle, very popular game and attendees would come in the booth. They would scan the QR code and they would put in their answer onto their phone and you pretty much always won because nobody wants to lose at the trade show. Yeah. And it showed not only how their machines, the software worked, but then it connected to the robotic arm to pick the prize, put it in the warehouse sorter to sort it. So you got to see the full capabilities without filling your whole space with the machine. Like people don't need to see literal machines all the time and how these work, but that experience, they had a little bit of fun and they're going to connect to that fun. And that's what they're going to remember. Perfect. That's cool. 
So how other companies can come to those ideas? Uh, do you think they, they think strategically when they uh, go to trade shows or they are more like a standard, you know, we, I want to be there. I want to make my presence so people will see that I, I, I exist. How people can come with like a better ideas? Is there any book or along with your consultant, of course, but yeah, anything that I, you you advise? I mean, I think you need to just talk about it and figure out ways to do things differently. And you know, you're not going to remember the same demo. Everybody says the same things in these presentations. So, just even coming up with some brainstorming ideas on like how can we do? It doesn't even need to be a digital idea because creating what we did for that one client can be very expensive. But you know, I've seen examples at shows where. This company was it was a conference called Hims. It's the healthcare information management show, and they their whole line was we make the maze of healthcare simple, and they created a maze out of Legos. And you had to hold one of the Lego pieces with like a wand, and you let it through the maze, and that was the whole experience. I mean, Legos are inexpensive, but they probably spent five hundred dollars to put that whole thing together. And this is a year and a half later, and I'm still talking about that story, and we had nothing to do with it. So. I think just thinking about creative ideas to show your solutions in a different way. And that that's always going to be the key. Yeah. And as you said, like, it doesn't need it to be your own solution there, right? You can bring different pieces to make this puzzle. Like, uh, this is what we're going to deliver. Not exactly this way, because this is just like, uh, for, um, demo purpose, but, uh, that, yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. I think one of the keys when you're coming up with these ideas and you're strategizing different experiences in your booth is to tie it to sales. You have to have a few questions that attendees are answering to make sure that there's some actionable information to even just to qualify them if they're a good lead or not. Because nothing salespeople like less than following up on bad leads. Yeah, it's such a waste of time. Like, huh? Well, and then they'll just stop doing it. And then it's like, well, why are we investing in trade shows if we're getting leads that nobody wants to talk to? Yeah, that's that's a, a big problem, right? And, and the investment is pretty high, especially if you compare like a, uh, fly tickets today, hotel, even oh, in yeah. Vegas, like uh, the, the, the hotels in Vegas are not that much cheap. That's no, not, not even a little. Cool. So, um, and so most of your customers, they are doing, um, trade shows right now. And, uh, is there is any other thing that like, uh, that you provide to them? Like if they do their own events, for example, is it different? Well, when they have also booths uh, in their own events to uh, put those those uh, exhibitors together, or usually you don't don't do this this type. Uh, a little bit. We're mainly focused on the big association shows or user conferences and having a booth within the larger trade show. Yeah, this is, and you already have the community, right? Because in the other way, you have to build your community. And today we know how hard it is to bring people, right? Like, uh, of course we see the the number of attendees going up and up but uh uh it's not easy right to say like uh, come to my event come to see my company it's different when like come to see yes everyone already knows well especially post pandemic you know you have to think you have to really sell people on traveling it's like i'm not just going to come to an event to be in an event to say oh cool I, I was here what are you teaching them what are they what are they taking away from it who are they networking with you know it's whether it's education or learning about the new trends that are coming out or networking. And that that's pretty much it. If you're not nailing one of those three and likely two or three out of those three, people aren't going to come. Yeah. Not because just like, uh, there is a party. Of course, if you have like a big name, <laughs> yes, they will come, but, uh, it's still like, you don't want them just to come to the party, right? Right. You want them to come to your sessions, 
just say your marketing, your sales team. I mean, measuring the, the return on investment for a party is pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, you can try to throw it and, uh, yeah, but it will be different, right? Like, uh, yeah. then actually. And especially if you don't control, like you, you have to control your guests who are coming, et cetera. Oh yeah. The fun part. So, uh, and looking now, as you mentioned to post pandemic, do you think uh, virtual trade shows will exist or we are still far away from this moment that we can have a good experience. But it's because today, most of this is like a either poor 3d or just 2d experience. And you don't have the same, not even close to the same experience when you are uh, at the, at the, at the, yeah, I think virtual events work. Uh, what I saw at virtual trade shows were really just, they tried to recreate what is a physical live event online and it didn't work. Because for the same reasons you want to be at an event, it's hard to recreate that online, especially it's like, oh, we have a hundred thousand attendees. How are you talking to anybody? You know, I think the big thing with online events is it has to be education focused is easy. If it's all about education, I think it's easy to have an online event or an online trade show. But if you want to create some kind of networking and build a community, you have to find like small groups within the group. So maybe it's five to eight, 10 people at most. Because otherwise people are just constantly talking over each other. You can't hear everybody. You don't know where the conversation's going. You might lose interest quickly. So I think with, with trade shows, I, I honestly, I don't know the answer there. Um, but virtual trade shows by recreating a 3d booth, it's like, what are you even doing? <laughs> yes. I think we, we have seen a lot of customers <clears throat> sorry, trying to do it, replicate in the last two years, but, um, yeah, it's not even close. I think, uh, as you said, the educational aspect, of course. Uh, because also when you go to a, a session, sometimes we don't have the whole hour to be there or you cannot watch all the sessions that is going on online. You can watch on demand. You can pause the video. You can take a lot of notes. Yeah. So it's very useful. And, uh, what is your advice for like, uh, event professionals, marketing professionals, they, they want to go to another trade show, to a new trade show. They maybe never invest. And the company is saying like, no, what we, we don't want it to invest, especially right now, right? We are, we have seen a lot of layoffs on tech companies. How can a marketing event professional can prove that is valuable to like, uh, invest on new, the new trade show. So I think there are a couple of different ways. One walk the show, you know, go to just to see it live in person, get a sense of who is at the show, maybe even talk to some of the exhibitors. I don't know how open your competitors will be to like, give you information, but if you're walking the show, you'll at least get a sense of the type of attendees there. You should also be able to talk to show management and they should be able to give you some pretty clear demographics of the audience that's going to be there or even make that small investment. You know, you don't have to spend a million dollars during your first time there, get a 10 by 10 booth and just test it out, see how you do with that smaller investment. And if it works there, then you can expand. Do you think a uh, share a booth works? It's, it's something worth or. Yeah, you can. It, it depends. I mean, that's always a little bit tricky. It's like, are you exhibiting with a partner and then how do you invest with them and who figures that out? I haven't done a lot of that. I know, uh, at my last company, we had one company that split a booth and it was, I wouldn't messy isn't the right word, but the branding didn't mesh well and it looked really strange. So, I mean, if you're going to do that, you have to really think through all of the details of how the brands work together. What, what does our space look like within the space? How are we attracting people that aren't taking away from their space? So, I mean, it can be very complicated. Yeah. Uh, it, it is definitely easier to just get your own space. And, yeah. But of course you're going to probably also exp spend more. 
And so yeah, always measure like um, what what's your what are you capable to do, right? Like if you don't have investment to do a loan, try to split. Yep. But yeah, very good. Like uh, of course, knowing the show before you actually exhibiting it's very important as well. You can really grasp like uh, what is it for? Yeah, I mean we do that as a company too. Before we're targeting a show and trying to build clients at a show, we walk it and we start to look at all the competitors at the space and got get a sense of. You know, what are the buzzwords? What are the color schemes we see around here? How are people creating experiences of the show? So we try to be as informed as possible as well. We're not just, you know, you can't just show up and hope that you can get a client there. And uh, regarding this percentage of revenue, how much do you think a company should invest of their budget on trade shows? Do you have uh, usually uh, a range that you recommend to your customers or have you seen like uh, all over the place? We've seen all over the place from people investing twenty thousand dollars to you know three million dollars all in one show so it, it really it depends on the size of the company it depends on really what you're trying to get out of it but do you see like a more like, uh what's the rate this is like a represent ten percent of their revenue five percent uh that's hard i that i don't know uh we've actually never gotten into those details like you know yeah like one of our clients is worth three billion dollars and they spent at one show two and a quarter million so that's just one show and they do hundreds of events a year. So I don't know what the full percentage is though. Nice. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I think it probably, they have this on uh, KPIs, right? Like uh, they probably track. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but it's nice. Yeah. Uh, at an event, we, uh, we, we also do a lot of trade shows this year. I think we are going, we are usually, we try to go one, uh, per month in average. So uh, I think we're going to hit like a 12 this year. And the the next one we are going is to in Australia. This one is going to be Australia. That's going to be the first time. Oh, nice. We'll be in Pacific. We have some customers there. Have you been? Uh, Never been to Australia. Australia. It's on the bucket list. Yeah. yeah. And trade shows in Europe. Do you have customers doing trade shows in Europe? We do. We have a couple of different trade shows in Germany. And there's one in Vienna, Austria that we do pretty much every year. How different it is. Like uh, we know it. there are a lot of similarities, but... Uh, European, it's not the same than here in America. So it's much more expensive here. Uh, there, I, I get told by several of our clients that I, they can't believe how much it costs to, to exhibit at a trade show in the U.S. You know, the their show services where it's like, you know, we have control over these because we estimate them, but at the same time, it's like you're kind of at the mercy of the general contractor. So that part of it is much less expensive in Europe. Yeah, I've heard a lot of uh, some European friends comment like, uh, "Well, the, how much expensive is like uh, just for lunch?" Oh yeah, trade show and not a good lunch. And not a good one. Not a good amount of food. You know, just very few and so expensive. Oh yeah. And how do you see like uh, generating um, audience? Like, are you bring awareness for a product that is still not like available or you don't have sales yet? Like uh, as as we mentioned, some of those trade shows, they, it's just a concept. It's just like a a first product, but it's not available yet. Like uh, how effective this strategy is, it's real. Like uh, we see this probably very effective for big companies, but uh, when it comes yeah. to small companies, do you think they, the best strategy, it's more like digital focus on digital first, and then you can go to a trade show or no, have you seen like a very good, effective um, strategy to go to the trade show, you can make need the face-to-face your potential customers, your customers. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't think there's a good answer for that because I think it's everything. You know, it, it's kind of like with selling in general. You know, if you're just making phone calls to get people on the phone, it's, you're not going to get everybody. If you're just sending emails, you're not going to get everybody. It's doing all these things kind of at the same time. So you just increase your odds of, of selling or getting that press, especially with a new product. It's all about press. You know, if you catch fire on social yeah. media, you think about all these like TikTok trends and it goes from like, never heard of you. And then now I have 40,000 customers. I was actually watching this guy, uh, a food critic in Vegas. His name is Keith. And he will show up at a restaurant and he'll rate the food. And he's like very honest about like, I paid for this. They didn't know I was coming. And then you'll see a video reaction from the owner and they're like, we went from a struggling business to the next day. We have 40,000 orders and like crazy numbers like that. So I think the press aspect with a new product like that is really important. So being in on as many channels as you can, so it can potentially catch fire is key. Yeah, it brings us such a, a viral network effect. Right? Yeah. And how do you go to, to press? Like, uh, do you need to develop relationship with the journalists? Or it's more like, a, what's the media, what's the agency that you pay to get you in front of them? Is there a good advice? Uh, it's all about relationships. Yeah, it's all about who you know or who you know who they know and you know, making sure that you can't just show up to somebody like, hey, I need this right now. It's like, it takes time. It's just like sales in general. It's like, you have to build up that relationship. And if you come out every email or call and be like, hey, I need this from you, they just, it's white noise. They, they don't yeah. listen anymore. Yeah, and they have so many code emails like this in there. Yes, if you think you're the only one reaching out, yeah, you're sadly mistaken. Yes. And what is what's the major challenge that you have faced, like uh, when marketing those products? Was was there any specific story that you remember that the, your customers saying like, "Oh, we needed to make this uh, blockbuster," or even like um, not even a blockbuster, but something? It was complex to to develop a marketing strategy. We're not. I, we're actually not that involved with the full marketing strategy and tel helping like how they're selling their products. We're more focused on just the experiential part of it. Yes, and and how how what was the major challenge that you faced on this? Like uh, coming with the, those ideas that you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to stand out at trade shows. You know, what, if it's a big show and there's a thousand exhibitors, it's thinking about how we can help them stand out. And that's where I was talking about before creating an experience. That's always going to be different. You know, we see there are some shows where people have a lot of gimmick ideas where it's like, you know, here, try this racing sim simulator, but we sell point of sale systems. It's like, I don't, how does that relate at all? So it's creating an experience that relates to what you do and tying that story together and making sure it's cohesive. I think that's a really good way to stand out. You give someone a bag or a pen or a stress ball, it's like, oh, great. And you're, they're likely going to throw it out before they leave. But if you give them something of value and there's a story connected to it, and then they connect that story to your brand, that's where it's going to be effective. That's awesome. And uh, how do you measure your impact? Do you know like uh, how much revenue that brought later or you don't have access to those numbers? Customers usually, do you know it was... Uh, successful if they hire you again for the next trade show? How, how is it like uh, for you to measure? So th there's a few different ways. Direct sales at trade shows is really hard to measure because it's usually just one part of the sales process. So a recent event we did, it's a RSNA, it's a radiology conference in North America. And our client, their goal was meetings. So their goal was to pre-schedule 270 meetings. So we designed our space to accommodate all these meetings. And there ended up being uh, even like three weeks before they're like, we need two more meeting spaces or three more meeting spaces. And we came up with different ideas. We actually converted their reception counter 
into a pullout bench. So if they had needed that extra space, there was another meeting area. So for that one, it was all about the meetings and pipeline generated. And they ended up going from 270 meetings or 200, I'm sorry, it was 260 meetings they wanted to pre-schedule. They ended up having over 400 meetings over four days. So that was very successful. And honestly, a lot of what we're judged on is being on budget, being on time and no surprises making there. You know, this is just one part of a marketing program to think and trade shows themselves are kind of an integrated marketing program within themselves. So our goal is to make it as easy as possible. You know, you have 800 other things you need to focus on. Well, don't worry about this one because this one takes 800 parts as well. We got it. We'll take care of it. That's awesome. Very cool. And um, um, we got access to this survey, this, uh, the survey that says 58% of uh, 550 leaders are looking to have the same exact number of salespeople in their team or even less to achieve their same revenue goals in the upcoming fiscal year. And 76% said they are already planning to increase or are hiring uh, or hiring new technology like a sales technology. Mm-hmm. Um, these new dynamics, they say, will greatly impact revenue re- results and there are two emerging roles in sales organization. One is like a tech-savvy side sales mm-hmm. and they both control the outreach and inbound at a larger scale than ever before using technology. So uh, talking about these upcoming trends in the sales and in marketing uh, sphere, how will they affect business ecosystem as a whole, like uh, do you see they're using more more sales technology now? Uh, how do you, and what are those technologies that you, your customers use for achieve the like, better results? Yeah, I, so everybody wants to do everything at scale. And I think that is part of the problem because most people want to have some kind of personalization and you can't personalize every email or every marketing message to each individual customer. But to just blast out a thousand emails and send the same marketing message to every single person, it, it it's going to end up making you look bad. And people are, again, it's like that white noise. It's like, you don't even hear it. You see the email from the same sender and you just hit delete. That, that's what I do. Um, so I think your CRM is very important and making sure the, the information in there is accurate and using it to a point. You know, we, we use sales sequences in HubSpot right now, and it's been really effective in generating awareness around our company, which you know, we're a pretty small company. So I think, you know, using technology to a certain extent is important and it'll help you maybe speed things up. But the scale of sales is, I think, what's getting pulled back more and more because that, you know, shotgun approach is just like, I don't know, it it doesn't work as much as it used. I used to send out literally thousands of emails a year and follow up with thousands of phone calls a year. That methodology doesn't work anymore. And you have to really try to personalize it as much as you can now. And on those ratios... It is still like uh, the scanner. It is the main technology that we have access, yes. right? Yeah. In terms of scanning badges, yes. Yeah. It's all about you either can use your own personal device or they give you a scanner. Uh, I think with those, it's making sure you have four or five qualifying questions to get a sense of like who these people are. That's the key. Have you tried any face recognition software to see like uh, their faces when they approach or when they leave? No, one thing we've measured is dwell time, you know, how long people are hanging out in your space, because that's a really good indication of interest. And that you can do without any kind of intrusive technology. They have these sensors you could set up around the booth, which is, it's actually really inexpensive for how cool this technology is, but it actually can track your IP address. So you don't get any kind of demographic information and you don't know if it's a man or a woman, but you'll know if this IP address came to your booth multiple times, you'll know which parts of the booth they spent time in. 
if they went back. So it really gives you a sense of A, what parts of your booth are working better and where there's more interest and B, if like certain individuals are coming in there multiple times. So to give you a sense if you did at least a good job with setting up your space and the flow. Cool. That's nice. So, um, and, and what would you say this is a factor in, um, and how do you think companies can stay ahead of the curve, like, uh, using the right technologies, creating the right communication, um, to differentiate because the competition today is so high, especially for people's, uh, attention, right? We want like, everyone is fighting for your customer attention. You, you need to, to fight with all the streaming platforms <laughs> to make that, uh, spend time, listen to you. Is there any technology that you see that it's, it's helping more or it's mainly like a make your CRM very, uh, you know, like, uh, with a lot of information, in your CRM, bring your customers, uh, data there. Yeah. I mean, Hey, you need the data to be clean. And that's something we really focus on at EDE is just making sure everything that comes through our system is checked out, confirmed, qualified, unqualified. And, you know, I would say that's number one, because you can have all the data in the world. If it's not clean and you don't know what to do with it, it it's kind of useless. For other technology, I mean, when we're talking about trade shows, it's we you never wanted to take over the space. You wanted to enhance the story you're trying to tell. So if you're you're getting technology and that's the wow, they're not going to remember you what you're trying to tell them. So it's using the right technology to enhance what you're already doing. Make this uh, only one piece of the same story, right? Like uh, yeah, and lead them through the storytelling. They will leave. They will come up because, as you said, like uh, you're not selling at the trade show, right? You are building a relationship there. It's just mm -hmm. one part of your sales process. You want to that to come back home and open your email, right? Reply your messages, book the next follow-up meeting. Exactly. It's it's building trust at the at these events. That is really what you're working on. Building trust, building comfort, and you know that's where the relationship comes from. What do you think is coming next for for trade shows? Uh, the the trade show industry it's pretty much the same for a long time, but. Uh, forever <laughs> yeah. so do you think we, we will see some disruption or no it's more like about efficiency now we need to see like a people like those trade shows making bringing results to companies because that's why they are laying off people right like if you're not yeah. bringing results if you're not as i said if you're not selling you need to help to sell yeah and if you're not doing it either like <laughs> you're gonna be just a cost in the line and do could you SMS? Yeah, I, results speak volumes. I mean, that's kind of what everything comes down to is whether you're performing or not. Uh, the trade show space needs a disruption, without a doubt. I've been in this industry my whole career, and you know it's changed quite a bit in terms of how companies show up and what they're doing there. But the back end of it, when you're dealing with the general contractors and the services you have to pay for, it's extraordinary. I mean, to clean a booth at a show, it can be fifteen thousand dollars, and it's like you're vacuuming my space. Like I don't understand. So I think that side of it, that's where the disruption is really needed. Like things are just crazy expensive and it's only going up, you know, prices never go down. So I, I think that's an area they need to think about how they're packaging these shows and getting people to come and invest in it. Yeah, that's true. Yes. But yeah, I think, uh, it is a lot of value that brings the trade shows, of course, like uh, we needed to be there to make our business thrive, to marketing our product, to build those relationships. But in the other, the other hand, the cost is it's getting yeah. like a uh, immense. 
I mean, but if you do a trade show right, and that's, you know, thinking about what you're doing pre-show, what your experience is at the show, and then what you're doing afterwards, the investment's there. I mean, you're, you're going to get that return. You know, we have clients that are getting, creating pipeline that's 30 times what they're spending on the space. It's, you know, how you actually treat that investment and make sure it's working for you. If you just get a space at a show, it's going to be expensive waste of money. But if you're putting in the effort to market it ahead of time, and I'm not talking about just sending an email like, hey, we're here. But it's like, how are you getting people intrigued? And how are you building up that excitement for your space at the show? Not just that there is a show. And then at the show, you know, like we were talking about, it's that relationship building. But after the show, you also you can't just expect people to take initiative. People don't do it. They need to be reminded. They need to be reminded of why they, they care about your brand. So if you're taking all three phases of a trade show or an event and doing it the right way and putting in the effort, I have no doubt you're going to see a tremendous return on the investment. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah, it's so easy for people to be passive, right? And then they can just go to their smartphone and search and Google. Now using yeah. ChatGPT as well to <laughs> yes. find any answer they need. Yeah. it's They, they say it's already more uh, accurate than some of the students doing like uh, exams on. I saw that. Yeah, the, uh, they, I think they got a B on like the war oh, a final paper at Wharton or something like that. It's like, oh. Yeah, school would have been so easy back in the day. Yeah. And and for you, like, how do you see uh, sports? The, we were talking before about, like, uh, your career in hockey, being, like, a manager. Uh, how do you see the sports uh, impacting on sales uh, and marketing? It's a team game. Marketing and sales is a team game. I think my background in sports, you know, I was never going to be a professional hockey player or, well, anything close to that. But yeah, I think that team element really comes into play. I mean, there's nothing we could do without the entire team being involved, whether it's our creative team or the team in the shop or the account managers and project managers that actually bring these things to life. It's everything is all about the team. We needed to remove any walls and bias, right? Like uh, it's, it's, yes, everyone has the same goal. I mean, I laugh when I hear about sales and marketing alignment. I'm like, I don't understand how these two things don't happen together. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We're going to see a lot. And now in this year, um, the the headlines probably like doing more with less. Like, and that doesn't yes. make any sense, right? Like if you want to do more, you need to have like a, the right tools. It's not about like having less or more. It's about like a, if you don't have the right tools, like a, send a, do a mail campaign. But if you don't have the proper tools and as you said, have your data clean, Mm -hmm. You're going to send message to probably your competitors. Yeah. Yes. How did they have seen like a, someone posting like a competitor email on LinkedIn? I get competitor emails all the time. <laughs> all the time. Have you think about like, no, let me put this on LinkedIn? No, I, I wouldn't put it on LinkedIn because then they won't send them to me and I, <laughs> and I won't know what they're saying anymore. I like to get them because it's like, oh, this is what you, this is a good idea. Thanks. I'm going to borrow that. <laughs> That's perfect. Okay, nice. Very great discussion, Jay. Uh, anything else do you want to share with us today about like uh, how to differentiate our strategies on trade shows, how to make us like a real impact to our attendees or anything else on sales and marketing that you would like to share? Yeah, when it comes to trade shows, I can't emphasize enough creating a different kind of experience. When you show up and there's just a screen and a keyboard and a mouse and you just expect someone to sit there and listen to your PowerPoint and think that they're actually thinking about whatever you're saying, nine times out of 10, they're just thinking about something else and they're distracted by all the other lights and noises at this show, do something unique, do something different so that it's a memorable experience. So they walk away thinking about what you, how you made them feel. And that's the important part. 
Awesome. Yeah. Events is all about experience, right? And that uh, yeah. Uh, using the oral sense, right? Like not just vision, but listening, the, the smell, touching, all those uh, aspects we needed to take advantage. Yeah. Or people can just stay at home and yeah. watch from home. And save their company a ton of money and you know, live in their sweatpants like everybody wants to now. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, this was Jay Manasha, a great um, guest here for us. And follow him, follow him on LinkedIn. Uh, and we're going to have great conversations next. Thank you for listening to In Event Talks, a podcast by Eventland. If you're interested in joining our global community for event profs, use hashtag Eventland to find us on social media. Until next time, have a lovely day. Thank you.